Good morning. morning. Welcome to morning prayers. A quick announcement that beginning on Monday, October 1st, due to the new Faculty of Arts and Science course schedule, which mandates 9 a.m. class start times, the service of morning prayers will begin 15 minutes earlier each weekday, starting on Monday, October 1st, 2018. The new service time will be 8.30 to 8.45 a.m. Monday through Friday in term. If you could please stand as you are able for a responsive reading from the Black Appleton Psalter, Psalm number 140 on page 70. Deliver me, O God, from evildoers. Protect me from the violent. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. The proud have hidden a snare for me and stretched out a net of cords. They have set traps for me along the path. O God, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. I know that God will maintain the cause of the Lord and render justice to the needy. Surely the righteous will give thanks to your name, and the upright shall continue in your sight.
Rather than read from the Old or New Testament this morning, I'm going to read from one of the great readers of the Old and New Testament, the Englishman John Milton, who was known to many as a poet, but who was equally one of the great defenders of human liberty and justice. This is his poem, Sonnet 19, when I consider how my life is spent, sometimes entitled On Blindness. When I consider how my life is spent, or half my days in this dark world and wide, and that one talent which is death to hide, lodged with me useless, though my soul more bent to serve there with my maker, and present my true account, lest he returning chide, doth God exact day labor, light denied, I fondly ask? His patience to protect that murmur soon replies, God doth not need either man's work or his own gifts, who best bear his mild yoke. They serve him best, his state is kingly, thousands at his bidding speed, and post o'er land and ocean without rest. They also serve who only stand and wait. I'm touched and moved to stand here today before you because this is the 20th consecutive year I have spoken at morning prayer. This year, 2018, is a memorable year for me in other cheering and warming ways because it marks my 25th year of teaching here at Harvard, and it's the 50th year since I graduated from college, and I'm still alive and standing. And it's just to be generationally bookendish about that this past May, 50 years on, our son Sam graduated here at Harvard. So there is much, in other words, for someone like me who treasures learning and teaching and the life of the mind to celebrate. But this year of coincident anniversaries and celebrations has also brought its measures of frustration. A year ago this month, I started going blind. <clears throat> it began without, sorry, it began without warning. Indeed, at first, without even a sense of danger. Last September, three, three weeks into fall term, <clears throat> I woke up on a Monday morning and sight in my left eye seemed cloudy. <clears throat> I'd had cataract surgery on the eye several weeks earlier and everything about the surgery and recovery until that moment had gone perfectly well and so I took it that this was some minor fleeting adjustment. After all, I was 70 and long past the idea that I would enjoy the body I'd known at 20 or 40 or even 50. But then over the next few days, things got worse, and over the next several months, worse still. By March of this year, both my eyes had failed me, not once, but repeatedly, and in unexpected ways. They failed me one at a time, which meant I could always see, however partially, out of one eye. <clears throat> now this is Boston, and I have Harvard's health insurance, and so of course I've gotten extraordinary care care that so far has counted 28 doctor's visits and eight surgeries. All the surgeries rather unpleasant because in modern ophthalmic practice, I discovered, it requires that I be awake and aware during the surgeries, aware of every one of the more than 100 times a needle has been poked into my eye, and aware and awake so that I saw and felt every scalpel blade as it crossed and opened and explored my eyes in order that my doctors might heal me. I am, thanks to their skills, able to see today. Not perfectly, as you can see, and at times not well, but with great joy. And I can tell you that I still read haltingly and unevenly, 
and no longer for great lengths of time, but I can read, which I know that you know uh, <coughs> instantly in a community like ours, matters like life and breath and heartbeat. I've told you, though, this reluctantly, and not to ask your sympathy and certainly not your pity, but rather because I want you to join me for a moment to reconsider the meaning of Milton's sonnet on blindness with which I began this talk. Like most casual readers, I long ago thought it easy to assume that it was the great poet's lamentation on the onset of his blindness in 1654 and its effect on his writing poetry. <clears throat> but there is equal reason, reading critics, I now understand, to see the poem as an expression of the frustration of a man whose blindness interferes with his politics. Milton, as we all too often overlook, was a poet who lived at one of the most tumultuous moments in English history, when the tyranny of Stuart Kings precipitated an extraordinary revolt, the English civil wars of the 1640s and 50s that not only led to the creation of the Commonwealth under Oliver Cromwell, but the sudden execution of the tyrannical King Charles I, and in extraordinary ways laid the ground for the American Revolution a century later and indirectly for all revolutionary democratic struggles ever since. I note this because Milton was no bystander at this early attempt at democratic revolt and nation-making in, in a new light. He was, in fact, the Commonwealth's, quote, <coughs> translator into foreign tongues. That was his official title, a role that meant that he was the revolution's chief spokesperson to the rest of Europe. It was in the midst of that extraordinary revolution when his services in prose were more keenly needed than in rhyme that his eyes failed him, and so we must grasp the larger meaning embedded in phrases in the poem like, his state is kingly, not as references to God's heavenly state, but to Cromwell's commonwealth state as rightly and divinely sanctioned to replace the Stuart King. Similarly, the line, and thousands at his bidding speed or land and post, was not simply allusion to God's divine messengers, but to Cromwell's and the revolution's messengers like Milton himself, who carried forth the message of righteous political revolt meant to protect and extend divinely inspired human liberty. Milton, in short, in this magnificent little sonnet, is sorrowful not for loss of sight as it affects his poetry, but how it affects his service to God and humankind both, and service to the radical uprooters like Cromwell of privilege and bigotry and power, harnessed, <clears throat> not harnessed to God's demand that we live our lives seeking justice as love made manifest, no matter our condition or circumstance. Yesterday, like millions of others, Perhaps you, I watched a man and a woman speak at a Senate hearing. The interrogations that followed, the cruelties and the cynicisms on display, the nakedness with which power was wielded, put me in mind today to use my own partial blindness to ask you to contemplate yours. To ask yourselves and one another what we are not willing to see and say about how far our beloved country has ranged from the ideals that we profess. Use the next 30 seconds, if you will, of silence to contemplate what blindness means and what it would take to restore our collective sight. As you do, contemplate these words of Isaiah's, favorites of both John Milton and mine. Israel's watchmen are blind. 
They all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. But I, the Lord, say unto you, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn in the darknesses into, I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. May God lead us all this morning out into a new light. Please join me in offering the Lord's Prayer, printed on the reverse of your order of worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able to sing hymn number 362, O God of Earth and Altar, in your Crimson Memorial Church hymnal.
compassionate of heart, clear in mind, gracious in awareness, courageous in thought, generous in love. Amen. Amen.